And it is with a sense of honor and privilege that I introduce our speaker this morning, our teacher and director, Reverend Dr. Patrick Cameron. Awesome. Good morning. Good morning, morning, and it's so great to have Amy here with us today. What a voice, huh? What a presence. Yes. I won't ask you that question this time because I know, I know we don't work well together. So, uh, <laughs> um, so I'd like to invite you to uh, enter into a space with me that is just so much more available when we're together. That community has such a wonderful impact and influence in our lives. And we are in the, the season of light. You know, we're, we're coming up on our solstice once again. And so what, there's a beautiful practice that I'm going to invite you to engage with me in this moment. It's called centering. And centering is one of the nine practices that are part of the foundations class that we encourage everyone to participate in before they enter into any of our, our other curriculum. But centering is really tracking your breathing, it's to live more intentionally with that divine connection and that life that lives within each and every one of us and opening to that possibility. And that's not unique to this tradition, it's not unique to this, this philosophy, but it, what it is, is it is a commonality between all traditions, that the place that we meet that higher wisdom self is within our own interior being. And I know for myself that the more that I can bring myself present, relax, allow my breathing to take me deeper and deeper and deeper to that space of my heart, that I access that higher wisdom self, those higher thoughts, that divine intuition and guidance. And so I invite you to enter into that through your breathing today. Nothing to do, nothing to fix in this moment, but to simply with each breath, relax deeper and deeper. If you find that your legs are crossed, I would encourage you with great love to uncross your legs for a moment, uncrash your hands, your body language, and then we share the energy. We share the energy wherever there is love, wherever love is required, we are better able to be that, that portal and doorway. And so as we enter into our song today, let us continue to breathe, to stay seated, and to allow the presence, that divine presence that we are, to be relieved, be revealed in an even greater way. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy. For all the world And there's quite enough love And quite enough power To walk through our every fear For spirit One spirit Is in this very In this very room, 
this very room. And once again, knowing and bringing our attention to our breath in an ever deeper way, a deepening, a realization and awareness of that divine life, that opening, that everything we require finds its way through us because it is already contained within us. We are that one life expressing individually. And so I give thanks in this moment. I give thanks for the blessings of this day, that all the things that have brought us together this day. I give thanks for this beautiful community, for the beautiful music, for the angel of God's presence in the form of Amy Bishop traveling to be with us this day and to share her love, her light, her creativity, her inspiration. And that the, the, the way that her music has blessed this planet in ways perhaps we cannot even imagine. To be cracked open by the beauty and the joy and the celebration. To understand that, that Spirit's life, God's life, is my life. The Father, Mother, God. This principle of life that is both male and female. That I welcome in a larger and more demonstrative way demonstrating itself in an even greater capacity in its guidance, its love, the ability to, to, to put down, to forgive, to let go, to create room for newness in this season of light, in this birthing of the Christ. I know that that Christ is being birthed by means of you and I right here and right now. And for this, I give thanks. And together we say, and so it is. Amen. Yeah, beautiful. So today's um, lesson is, is entitled Hark the Herald Angels Sing because, you know, that's one of the songs of the season. And angels, you know, are so present within all traditions. I went online and I Googled and I got this article. It was 28 pages on angels and how angels show up in every tradition in different forms. The Buddhists have angels. The Hindus have angels. The Christians, of course, have angels. Um, the Zoroastrians have angels. Um, the Hindus have angels. The Jewish tradition has angels. And so what it is, is it's that, that's that, it, it's that relationship that all of us sense of the unseen, basically. I mean, what it boils down to is we realize we're not alone. I have a wonderful story here that uh, Kelly gave me. I don't know if Kelly's still here today. Kelly Collins gave me before the service. And I read it, and, and I read it three times, and I couldn't get through it without sobbing. And I thought, well, I'm probably not ready to share this yet. Because some of those, those stories are so... Uh, compelling and, so, and they just crack you open. So I said, well, I'll read it some more and then I'll eventually uh, build the stamina to get through it. But, uh, but for all of us, I think that all of us sense at times we've had moments in our lives where we sense the presence of something unseen. And I think to give it a context, many times we look at that as an angel. And so there's a story that I wanted to, to share with you to set it up, but God was, was uh, concerned about what was happening down here. Of course, this is a, a God other than the one that's all-knowing, so for the purposes of the story. And so God brought in one of his angels and said, I need you to go down and check out what's going on on earth and, and report back to me. What are the conditions? How's it looking? How many people are living a, 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 you know, a, a spirit-filled life and how many people are not doing that? And so the angel went down and, and spent a bit of time in a lot of different countries and, and environments and, and then all of a sudden uh, got enough information and came back to God and said, God, well, here's what's going on. And based on what I, my research and based on population, I'd say about 95% are really struggling and are, are living very selfish lives and they're, they're very much about uh, themselves and, and there's a lot of war and, and discord and discontent going on. But 5% are doing really well. 
95% of the population is really lined up well with what their divine purpose is. And God said, boy, that's just... 5%, I don't know. So he says, I'm going to send another angel down to confirm this. And so another angel was sent, and the angel spent a bit of time and gathered information and came back and said to God, you know, I think based on my calculations, probably 5% doing really well, and 95% are, eh, you know, not too good. And so God said, you know, I really want to be sure. So he sent a third angel down. And the angel came back with the same results, said about 5% really, really lined up well and doing wonderful things, and 95% still struggling. And so God just thought, you know, I really don't want to um, create more havoc for the 95%, but what I am going to do is I'm going to send an email out to the 5% that are really doing well and, and, and encourage them and thank them and just acknowledge them and to really keep them inspired. And perhaps if, if that happens for them, that they can expand their influence and, and more people will, will uh, get on board and will start to diminish this 95% that's struggling. So God sent out the email to this 5% that are just living a, an amazing life. And Linda, do you know what the email said? Okay, I was just checking because I didn't get it either. <laughs> Amy got it at the first service. I asked Amy. I said, did you get it, Amy? Yeah, I got it. <laughs> okay, well, let's check with Amy. That's why I said I'm not going to ask you this time. So we, in that capacity, we don't work well together. She's way ahead of me. So... You know, uh, you know the, the, the whole spiritual thing, the whole spirit, our spiritual life, the reason that we have spiritual practice is to line us up more and more with that divine self. And so much of that is unseen. So much of that is an energetic. It's a vibration. You know, we, we, we recently went down to, uh, to this uh, experience in Brazil with uh, this particular uh, man by the, that goes by the name of John of God. And what it is for me uh, you know, for me, it's always hard to put words to it because it's such a profound experience. But what it is is a palpable, palpable experience of love. It's just this experience of unconditional love, for lack of a better description. Because if you start saying, well, it's John of God, or it's just a, what it is is just this amazing experience of love. And then in that, in, that, in that vibration, because what happens is you're drawn up into this vibration. And then it opens the door to a different experiences. And for me, you know, coming back, coming back this time, this is my second trip, I really struggled with the re-entry. It really took me a long time to get my feet back on the ground. And, um, and part of it, I think, was because when I went, I knew exactly what to expect, so I jumped right back into it. But the first time, there's like the first week, you're kind of, you're in resistance, and what's this, and what's that, and I don't understand this, and what does that mean, and you know, you need to understand all of it. Uh, most of us do, we need a little bit of context to, to engage. And this time, it was like, zip, right back in and so it was just a deeper and deeper and deeper experience and we were in Laura and I were in uh, Denver this last uh, uh, weekend and I want to thank Reverend Catherine McLeod who, was, uh, who's, who filled in and, and did a, a wonderful talk but when I was there with Eileen Flanagan and Eileen was the person that introduced me to this experience through the Mile High Church and uh, what she shared with me is that this, she had the same challenge going, coming back the second time she says much harder to come back second time and I said, why didn't you say that? And she said, well, I thought you might not go if I told you that. Oh, thanks. So, but, but, but what it is, so it's, it's interesting because it's just a different vibration. It's a different calibration. And, but it's, it's, it's such a, and you're pulled out of your environment, so there's not a whole lot of distraction other than to be present with oneself. 
So we're not the John of God Center. We're not the Labyrinth Center, although we have a labyrinth on our floor. We're not the, the Crystal Bed Center. We're not the Reiki Center. We're not the whatever it may be, whatever modalities. And I'm not, and I'm not coming down on any of those because all of us access that unseen experience in different ways. We all, that's why we have spiritual practice. There's nine spiritual practices articulated at the end of the foundations class. Centering was the one of the practices I shared with you as we went into the prayer, to just simply breathe into your heart and to open oneself and become fully present. There's centering, there's meditation, there's spiritual mind treatment, there's visioning, there's sacred study, there's sacred service, there's sacred giving, and there's silence, to name a few others. But all of those practices are, are, are geared, I believe, to shift the calibration of awareness and consciousness. And so our responsibility with it is then to take that information, take that experience, and shift and change in the awareness. So one of the, the experiences I had when I was in, in uh, Abhijanya was, you know, the, the, the prayer requests that I had were very, in a, in a sense, not that they're big or small, but they were significant. And as I look around my life and see what's been happening, I've been, I've been, the thing I ask for is showing up in my life. And the thing about it is, is that it hasn't been comfortable most of the time. It's been very uncomfortable because what I've asked for is this to be shift and changed and I have to be willing to step into it in a different way. So when I came back, I realized that one of my traps that I set for myself that I didn't even realize was a trap, was this idea to, to feel like I'm supported by other people. And so what'll happen is if I have a goal or I have an idea in mind or I have a vision that I wanna take the purpose, I will step into this idea that well, to, in order to do that, I have to have the support of other people. And the beauty of that belief is that, it, that that keeps me stuck right where I am because as soon as I can't do anything until I have the support of everyone. Which, and what I realize at a deeper level is I'm already supported. I'm already supported. When I'm in that divine relationship with the unseen intelligence and wisdom and I'm connected to my higher wisdom self, I know I'm supported. And then what happens, then the challenge is, holy crap, once I make that agreement, now I have no excuse to stay stuck in that. And so what it is, is in, in, in the role, and part of the inspiration that came out of this was going to, to Mile High, and, and Laura and I did a variety of things there. We, we participated in a co-creation with the Science of Mind Publishing Department, which was beautiful. It was two days, and it was just so profound and, and, and beautiful for Laura and I as well. And so, so that was wonderful. We went to the, the uh, John of God. They have a John of God, or they call it the Sacred Light Service. Sunday nights, they start at 4.30, and it goes to 6.30. And the people that have been to Abhijanya come for the first hour and they hold the current. They, they sit in meditation and create this atmosphere of just amazing energy. And then they sit on the outsides of the sanctuary and then the, a group comes in with healing requests. They write out their prayer requests and there's some beautiful ritual around it. And there were 300 people that showed up for this service. It was just beautiful. I looked down at, towards the end of it and it was at night. And you know, in Abhijanya, everything's during the day. But I looked down and looked at my hands that I'd been sitting there for two hours in this cocoon of love, and my hands were glowing. And I just thought, wow. You know, I, I probably looked like I was radioactive if you have that type of, but I just thought, it's, it's incredible. And, and in it, you know, I had some conversation with my friend Eileen. Eileen has been there, Eileen Flanagan, who took me to Abhijanya, has been their board chair for two years. 
And here they have this beautiful facility in Denver. They have this, I mean, it's the Mecca of our movement. It's a $17 million sanctuary. And, uh, and you know, we've, I've gone back and forth here around facility, and I've tiptoed around because it's like, oh, golly, if we talk about what, what's possible or what we could do, you always, I, what I realize is not everyone supports it. And then I go, oh, well, I shouldn't talk about it anymore. And what I realized, what Roger was, was so clear about, and what Eileen was, was we were talking about is, it's not my role, and in, in, in to stop stepping into that trap that not feeling supported, but to realize that the role is really to cast the vision. Because when the, the vision is, is, is the language of what's being informed from that unseen level at this deep, 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 deep experience, it's compelling. And the reason I know that is Eileen told me the story of what it took to to move along in the progression of the things that were demonstrated there. And the beauty of it also is because I said, well, it seems impossible to me. You know, I mean, with the the state of where we are in our our community and the level of support we have, which is wonderful, how are we ever going to do anything beyond that? And she said, well, the beauty of it, when it's impossible, it's totally doable because you can't do it. God has to do it. And I thought, oh. I finally get it. I finally get it. I do my part. I hold the highest possibility. But then God steps in, and, 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 and everyone is an expression of God. It's not to say, okay, let's just pray harder. We do what we need to do. We get clearer and clearer about what's important. And what's been happening is things have been showing up in our experience, in our, in our story here, that have been triggers for me that have put me back into, well, I'm not supported. So stop. Nelson Mandela, who just passed, had this to say about it. I think it's beautiful how it ties in because he's such an inspiration. He changed the world. Amazing man. 27 years in prison. And he had this to say. He said, in a way I never quite comprehended before, I realized the role I could play in court and the possibilities before me as a defendant. So here he is. He's being accused and accused and accused over and over and over again. And he realized, wait a minute, this is my opportunity. I'm not being picked on. I'm not in victim consciousness here. This is my opportunity. It forced him into clarity about what his, his role was here. So he stood in his divine purpose. And he said, I, in a way I had never quite comprehended before, I realized the role I could play in the court system and the possibilities before me as a defendant. I was the symbol of justice in the court of the oppressor, the representative of the great ideals of freedom, fairness, and democracy in a society that dishonored those virtues. I realized then and there I could carry on the fight even in the fortress of the enemy. So even while he was in prison, he said, I'm going to carry on the fight. I see, isn't this interesting how, how life trains us? It's through the adversity. It's through the challenge in our own consciousness. And then all of a sudden, I have to confront this own limiting belief that, golly, I got to get support from everybody or I can't do anything. And what Eileen shared with me is that when you share a vision of possibility... People can either say yes or no. But then you're not running around trying to solicit support from people. You're simply speaking to the vision and continue to build that consciousness of possibility. And so I'm looking at what's happening in Mile High. And while I'm there, Dr. Roger Teal and his wife Erica took us to lunch, took Laura and I to lunch. It was really, was really I said, such an honor to spend time with you. I spent time with Roger and Erica in uh, in, uh, in Brazil, the group I went with. So I had that connection. It was lovely because I wanted him to meet Laura. And we have a lot of commonalities. So he stands up and he says, you know, we've, we're, so they owe $11 million on their $17 million sanctuary. 
And this is a, this is a group that, that five or six years ago decided they were going to remodel their sanctuary and needed to raise $75,000. And Eileen was board chair at that time, and she goes, oh, crap, how are we going to do that? And I said, oh, wow, I'm so glad you said that, because that's what I say all the time. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that, you know. And she said, but what we did is we got clear about it, and we cast a vision, and Roger said, this is where we're going eventually. You know, it, it, was, it, was, a, it was a process of, of revelation. But the beautiful thing in it for me is, so then I'm there on the Sunday, and he said, okay, we're, we've, got, we've got our first leg of finally paying the building off, because they've got it down from $17 million to $11 million in debt. And we've got our first leg of, uh, of what we're raising to pay off the, the next portion, which is $3.5 million. And he said, I'm so excited to tell you we're at $3.2 million today, and we know by Christmas we'll have hit our goal. And so they're, they're doing it in three sections. And, and this is a community like our community. It's just people, just people hanging out. And I thought, wow. So really the, the task here then is to be some, become so clear in the peace and the joy and the possibility of a vision that other people can step in and say, I want to support this or not support it. Because I said to, I said to uh, um, when we were doing the, the uh, co-creation, one of the people that had been part of the community for years, I said, what happened with Roger? At what point did he say we're going? And he said, she said, finally he got so clear and he got so tired of people saying he couldn't do it. He finally just said, look, we're going to build this building and if you don't support it, leave. We're going to build this building and if you're not on board with it, leave. And so people left. But she said, the interesting thing is as soon as those people left, another 350 people showed up that were excited about the possibility. And I thought, boy, there's some courage. But if, you're ta- if I'm trapped, in the, if I'm trapped in, the, in the limiting belief that I've got to have everyone's support... It's impossible. I can't move from that place. And, I, and so for me, it's been really, really amazing and powerful learning about what's possible. And I'm not saying we're going to build a $17 million facility, but what I'm saying is we are a spiritual community. Would anybody here disagree with that? Which I think represents in many ways family. And so when I know having children that when I have four children that need bedrooms or at least a couple of bedrooms they can share, whatever, I don't go buy a one-room studio apartment. I buy something that accommodates the family. And if I have a home and there's too many kids that show up, then we, we remodel, we add on, or we do something. And, and what really struck me is a while back, we have a, a family that uh, have a teenage son. And she came to Laura and she said, I want my son, he lost his dad about a year ago. We did the memorial service here. You could not have squeezed another person in here. A young man, full of life, vital, and his son just moving into his teenage years. And she said, I would love for him to be able to participate with the teens. She said, the problem I have is I'm a single mom, and I I come Sunday mornings, and I, I don't have the energy and time because Sunday night is precious to us. That's when our teens meet on Sunday night. And what I would like to be able to do is bring my son with me on a Sunday morning and he can do this teen thing with the teens while the adults are gathering. And this is what happens in many, many communities. We don't do it because we don't have room for them. We don't have a room or a space to put the teens on a Sunday. And so she said to me, as much as I want him to be part of this, Sunday night is precious, it's preparing for school, it's, a, it's family night for a meal together. And so, you know, it takes precedence for this. And I don't want to have to drive back here because I live on the other end of town with him and then come back an hour and a half or two hours later and pick him up again. And I just thought, wow, you know what? Let's speak to that. How do we do that? And it's possible. So it's not like we got to, 
you know, it's not like we got to reinvent the wheel, but what would it take to have, have office space that accommodated uh, all of what we want to do and classroom space to accommodate all the things that we want to do beyond what we do now? Because we struggle. We're at our maximum right now. You know, there's not a lot of folks here today in the second service. I mean, there's, God bless you. But, some, you know, there's times when we're really packed at both services, and that's, that's wonderful. We love it. But, but the point is, is there's so many more things that are possible. And so how can we explore that? How can we do that? I'm not saying we have to sell and move. I think we've pretty much decided we like this location, but how do we make this work for us? And how do we, how do we fund it? How do we develop it? And how do we have things so that the entire family can meet at one time? And I look at it as an opportunity. It's like, wow, I get to cast this vision and I don't get to go to that default of mine that I don't have the support. Because at some point when it becomes so compelling, you can say to people, look, if, if it's not something that you want to be part of, it's okay. But you've got to at some point stop standing up and saying it's impossible. Because it's not. And quit asking me to agree with you that there's not enough that we can't do it. Because we're not in it alone. There's an unseen force, this angelic force of life that we're immersed in. And in our tradition, I think it's so easy, so, so easy for me to think that I control all of it. I'm doing my affirmative prayer. I am God individualized. I am master of time, space, and dimension. And eventually I'm going to see Europe, as a matter of fact. That's a line from Steve Martin, by the way. But, but the point is, it's so easy to think that you control all of it. We do control our response to it. We do control the thoughts that we dwell upon. Our, that which we dwell upon, we become. Holmes said, Dr. Holmes said this, and then, oh, golly, I'm going to get Amy back up here. Because just, I love talking about this stuff. It's such an honor to come back here and go, go dip into this and go, oh, my gosh, this is possible. This is where we are. It's no accident that I met Eileen Flanagan. It's no accident that Eileen invited me to Abidjan. It's no accident that I go there and I hang out with Roger Teal. Because something wants to happen here. And it's like, get clear in your consciousness of what wants to happen. Because if you can't cast the vision, how the heck can people get on board with it? Whew, holy cow. No pressure there. Anyway, Holmes said this, oh, and I love this, and if this is, this is in the, it's in the Living the Science of Mind, and I cut it out so I can't tell you what page or chapter, but I will next week if you come back. But Holmes said this, our, our divine inheritance is self-sufficiency. We have everything we need. See, when you get that and you know you're supported in everything you need, it's like, man, anything's possible. But as soon as I start to go, well, I got to get everybody support. Well, there's not enough money for that. Where's that going to come from? Well, good, there's my excuse. Let's just keep going. Let's keep plugging along. Our divine inheritance is self-sufficiency, perfection, peace, wholeness, and this must include abundance, self-expression, accomplishment, and happiness. Wow, are those unreasonable demands, huh? This is for me. The nature of happiness is peace. The nature of peace is harmony. The nature of the nature of harmony is joy. So whichever way we turn the proposition, we are compelled to understand that the nature of reality, the nature of God, the nature of spirit, this Father, Mother, God presence is perfect. And therefore, the will of God, which can never be divorced from God's nature, must always be a will towards wholeness, peace, poise, power, and self-expression. If the will of God is the will of abundance, it follows that God cannot will lack, want, or limitation. Wow. It follows that all bondages of, of, the, of the human, all bondages are a result of the circumstanced viewpoint of reality. The only reason we're stuck is because we believe we're stuck. All affliction is a result of ignorance, and, and not stupidity. He just says lack of knowledge is, is ignorance. 
We don't know what we don't know. You know, if, if, you're, if, you're, if your uh, strategy to survive is one of control or anger or domination, you've got to do that. But it's not a re- it's, it, and, and you've got to have a strategy, but it's ignorance. That's not peace. That's not poise. That's not power. That's not standing in the truth of who and what I am. Because of our psychological nature and because of that which we think we tend, uh, because of that which we think about tends to take place in our experience. It follows that if we believe God's will is towards unhappiness and limitation, we shall experience limitation resulting from such belief. That is why it is so important that our consciousness be clear. We have spiritual practice for that. Meditation, prayer, centering, silence. That we should know what we really believe about God. Indeed, we might say that in the final analysis, what a person believes about God inevitably influences their entire experience in life. What do you believe about it? What do I believe about it? See, it's not a matter of manipulation anymore and a new, bigger idea that we can manage. It's about growing a bigger idea of God and possibility. And what I know is for me to envision a, a, a facility and a program that works for everyone is it's impossible. But I get to celebrate it. I go, wow, this is cool. It's impossible. This is fantastic. I'm on the right track. It's impossible. I can't do this by my own hand. I have to have the divine intervention. I have to have the inspiration. And it's a lovely thing. All of a sudden, it's not a problem. It's like, wow, I get to ponder this. I mean, when you, when you sit in that cocoon of unconditional love of Abba John, you realize anything's possible. It's all, as, as Rhea said to me the other day, it's all small stuff. She didn't say stuff, but she, you know what I mean. She says, it's all st- small stuff. And it is. It is. It's our thinking about it. It's a, and it's a consciousness upon it. It's such a beautiful thing. It's exciting, exciting, exciting. So we're in this season of, we're in this season of, of the, you know, Christmas, of the songs, and God bless you, Amy. It's so great to have you here. I said, you know, when we knew the, do the, the, the renovation of the facility, we should build a little apartment up in the, in the choir loft that Amy could live in, and then she could stay and spend more time with us. Don't you think? Well, great idea. Yeah. Or, you know, well, maybe we'll just demonstrate that, that fast train that they're talking about between, and you can be here in an hour. You know, we'll come pick you up. I'll pick you up. I got a sl- sled with some dogs that we can get over there. And I got up this morning and my, my entire vehicle was covered with ice. Just, did anybody have that experience? You got up and it was just covered with ice. I went out and I said, I'm going to take off. And I went, and I, oh my, I'm not going to take off. So I started it. And what I did, I figured out there's a difference between hard ice and soft ice. So I started it and I let the car warm up. And then I created soft ice that I could actually scrape. And I thought, that's interesting. Because the Eskimos have like, I don't know what, 700 names for snow? But we'd only have one name for ice, at least I, I know of. So now I know there's hard ice and there's softer ice. <sighs> it's so refreshing to live so close to nature like this. <laughs> Isn't it? Oh, man. Isn't this the best? We go to Denver, right? I'm thinking, oh, it'll be nice and warm in Denver. It's colder in Denver than it is here. And they don't insulate their buildings like we do. So it's like, you know what it's like to sleep and there's a breeze coming through the room all the time? It's like, what? I want to go home and warm up. They know how to build in Edmonton. Angels are energetic embodiment and vibratory expressions of the qualities and person of the divine. We are the angels. It's, we're not separate from it. We're part of this. We're part of this angelic concert. I was reading a book the other day, and it, and it was all about a, a UFO and, and alien abductions. 
And the, and, the, and the author said that the thing we don't get is we're aliens too. We're visiting too. And I thought, wow, I never thought of it like that. We're all in this. You know, we're all in this. And I, you know, I'm not even beginning to try to sort that out, but we're all in this. We just happen to be in a denser form right now. What I've heard said is that we're the lucky ones because we're in this environment of creativity and manifestation. We are here. We, Eileen said this because we were talking about purpose of life. Eileen Flanagan, when we were in, in Denver, she said, we are here to be the portal of light, to bring more light to the world. If you want to know your light's purpose, doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing, bring more light to the world, which is what Holmes was talking about, self-sufficiency, perfection, peace, wholeness, abundance, self-expression, happiness. When we're living in those qualities, we're bringing more light. And then we lift one another up. It's a beautiful thing. Thank you for your light. So it is. Mm -hmm.